If there are children that want to go downstairs this morning, you may do that. This is, um, this is our ninth week in Heroes of the Faith, and I hope nobody's tired of it. This has been so fun, things together in Scripture for us. Nine weeks of Heroes of the Faith. And every one of them give us examples of what it means to have faith. Today we come to an incredible point in history. One of the most incredible stories in, in, in the Bible. And it is, it is filled with examples of faith. No one knows really who the author of Hebrews was but this, this letter, this Hebrews letter, was written to Jewish believers. And as Jewish believers, they would have, they would have struggled with, with this idea of, of saving faith, especially the, the would have questioned being saved by grace. Salvation by grace would have been extremely difficult for them because Judaism had become a religion of works. By the time this letter was written, by the time of Christ, the, the Hebrew people had believed that a person was good and moral, if they were good and moral enough, that that would give them access to God. If they observed all the ceremonial rituals, if they kept the law, if they did all the things required by the rabbis, they would be accepted by God. And that's not what Scripture taught, and it's not what Scripture teaches today. In their system, you gained acceptance from God by your own efforts and your own work. The gospel of Christ and salvation by faith would have been a very new, complicated concept to the Jews receiving this letter. In chapter 11, the author has gone back in, into the history of, of Judaism, into the Old Testament, to make the point that the whole issue comes down to the same thing. God, observe, God sees our faith, and that faith is what saves us. There is so much faith in this hero of the faith. His story is amazing, and, and that, of course, is Moses. What an incredible story. If you remember from last week, Israel has, been, has, has arrived in Egypt. That was part of his story. Now, 400 years later, we come to Moses. And it begins with not so much faith of Moses, but the faith of Moses' parents. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. In the 400 years that the nation of Israel had been in, in Egypt, they had multiplied, and their population was continuing to grow rapidly, and this was a great concern to the Egyptians. And to stop this, this population growth, the Pharaoh ordered that all male Hebrew babies be drowned in the Nile. Harsh. So this is the time in which Moses was born. <clears throat> he was born to Amram and Jochebed 
and they perceived their son to be a beautiful child. Now, I've got, I got five kids. I've got one in heaven, so I've got six kids, and all six of them were beautiful. And anybody want to argue the point? You're in big trouble, right? So as parents, we all go, and grandparents, right? You all go ahead and try to tell me that my grandkids aren't beautiful. So we have that concept in our head. But actually, beautiful here, the words that are used, the way it's written in the Hebrew, had more to do than this just being a really attractive baby. All babies are cute and sweet, right? Especially if when certain things happen, you just pass them off and go, it's all yours. (laughs) There's far more going on here than just a cute little boy. By faith... Moses' parents knew that God was with their little boy in a special way. They knew something was there. That is implied by the, the, the way the Hebrew is written. So by faith, they knew that he had to be protected because God was going to use him. And because they knew their son must get into the Nile, near to where Pharaoh's daughter was known to bathe. Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket containing the baby. She takes the child and and adopts him, raises him as her own child. A lot of faith in this. You you make this wicker thing and you're going to put your child in it, is it going to float? Is it going to stay upright? Is it going to float down the river and is she going to find it? Moses' sister watched all of this. She persuades the princess to to get a Hebrew woman to nurse the infant. And Moses' mother raised her own son. There is an enormous amount of faith that just went into that story. Is he going to survive being in the water? Is she going to pick the boy up? What's going to happen to him? She could have gone, oh, he's a Hebrew, and thrown him back in. A lot of faith going on. Moses' parents then, by faith looked beyond the obvious danger and saved their son because they knew God had a plan for him. Placing an infant in a basket and into the river, that alone took huge faith. The plan was an act of faith because they knew if Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, he would be raised in the paganism of Egypt. So there's, there's some faith involved in that as well faith that, that he's going to be saved, but, but how's he going to turn out? He's going to become an Egyptian, basically, and he would enjoy the riches of the kingdom. By faith, Jochebed nursed her son and taught him the promises of God. So this is where Moses' life as a Hebrew actually begins. His mom taught him Moses knew from early childhood that Israel was to be a great nation because his mother, by an incredible act of faith, saved his life, and then, through an act of faith, taught him as a child. Let's go on. Verse 24, Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How did he know that? Have you ever questioned that? Think about that. He had to have been taught the things of being a Hebrew. 
Moses grows up as a prince of Egypt, which at that time was the wealthiest, most advanced society known. Moses was highly educated. He was trained to read and write hieroglyphics. He probably learned some Canaanite languages, and he learned Hebrew from his mother. And according to Acts 7.23, Moses was about 40 when he made the decision that he, he was not going to be an Egyptian, he was going to be a Hebrew. And during those years, those 40 years, he remembered God's people and grew in his devotion to God. Stephen gives us some insight again in Acts chapter 7 about Moses knowing he had a mission from God. This is verse 25. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. So at some point, Moses realized he was in the position to save Israel. And he just, he just assumed that his Hebrew brothers and sisters chosen to oppose Egypt and, and was the man to fulfill the promise of God's plan. The faith Moses is, uh, that we see in Moses is seen in his willingness to give up the riches. You really couldn't have been in a more, more rich and, and incredible situation than being an Egyptian. Prestige, power, honor, all of that went along. He was royalty. And he was willing to give that up. From a worldly standpoint, Moses, is, Moses sacrificed everything for nothing. Instead of being royalty with everything, he said, I'll be one of the slaves. From the world's point of view, this is nuts. He gave up his royal position to lead slaves, which at that time, that would just be absurd. But his faith was in something far greater than even the riches of Egypt. Verse 26, Hebrews 11. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. There's a couple of really important things in this verse. What the world considers great has nothing to do with what God considers great. God loves and honors people in a totally different way. It, you know, what family we came from, how much money we have, how many toys we end up with when we die, uh, how much education we have, all of those things don't matter. You can have the greatest position in the world system, and it doesn't affect God's plan, really, in any way. That's not what he looks for. Egyptian heritage and advantages, they were pagan and, and worldly. And by faith, Moses had given himself to much greater things. Moses had a choice, and so do we. Obey God or disobey God. It, it would have been far easier and more enjoyable in the short run for Moses to remain connected to Egyptian society. He had the best food, the best place to live, the best of everything. And, and having those things weren't, weren't sinful in themselves, but they would have been sin if Moses had grasped them and held on to them. 
nothing's really changed. By faith, he forsook those things for the sake of God's call. He was willing to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Obedience is not easy. God's way is not only for his his own honor, but for our good. Now, there's another really important part in verse 26. And that's, that's this considered. Considered there means careful thought. This wasn't a quick decision. Moses thought of what Egypt had. He knew it. He, he knew what God had. And he came to the conclusion after thinking it through that the things of God were infinitely superior in every way. That's an important concept for us. That that speaks of his faith. Moses had everything anyone could want, things the world holds dear, but he gave them up because he actually balanced the two out. Wow, this is all of Egypt's stuff. This is all of God's stuff. I'm choosing God's stuff. There's another thing here in verse 26 that's very important. The, The writer of Hebrews speaks of Moses considering the reproach of Christ. How how can that happen? Moses lived 1,500 years before Christ. How how can that be? You're not going to find some place where where Moses is going, I'm going to do this because I believe in Christ. What is meant here is, and it's so important for the Jewish thinking at the time, Moses suffered reproach for the sake of Jesus Christ. How? Because he identified with Messiah's people and the purpose long before Christ came to earth. They weren't talking about Jesus Christ the way you and I do, but he knows that God's people were to produce the Messiah. Every believer since Adam's fall has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter what point in history he or she has lived. Likewise, Any believer at any time who has suffered for God's sake has suffered for Christ's sake. You see how that would work? Here's another place we see this idea. It's in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, for the name of Jesus. So we see that in the early days of the church. In Acts, are you worthy of suffering for Christ? We should be. We should be willing to forsake anything for the sake of God's will, knowing that our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond anything that we can even comprehend. The things of God are so much greater. Let's go on in Hebrews 11, verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses actually left Egypt twice. The first time he left he, he was fleeing a pharaoh who wanted to kill him. The second time he left fleeing a different pharaoh 
who wanted to keep him and the Israelites as slaves. Moses would have been tempted to fear both times, but he did not. He left Egypt determined to pursue God. Fear is one of Satan's most effective weapons. It's true today. We are afraid of being different. We're afraid of losing our job, our reputation, our popularity. We're afraid of criticism. We're, we're, we're afraid of unseen circumstances. I'm amazed sometimes at, at how often we will try to make decisions and we, we spend so much time with the what if, what if, what if, what if. And all those what ifs are based on unseen. It's fear. But what we see in Moses, this man of faith, was that he put his hand to the plow and he would not look back. There's another man, another fearless man that I love in the Old Testament. His name was Daniel. And he was uncompromising. And, and, and he was not a man of fear. And he and his friends did not yield to any kind of threats and fear, even if it meant being thrown into the furnace or the lion's den. Faith does not fold under fear of the world's pressure. No matter what the world does around us, we should not be afraid of that as people of faith. Moses understood by faith that God was his invisible, infinite, powerful means of support. He knew that. When Moses left Egypt with the people of Israel, he ends up in another situation that, that is difficult. Because not only was the king, the Pharaoh, opposing him, so were the Hebrew people. At first, the people were, were with him, and, and they're going, yeah, finally, God's, God's heard our cries. And they were thankful of God's plan. But as soon as Pharaoh started making their lives absolutely miserable and then more miserable and then more miserable, they became afraid and they turned against Moses. Why have you let us out here? Moses wasn't afraid of either. He continued to be obedient to what God wanted him to do and to say. Faith then rejects the world's influence, whatever it may be and keeps looking to God and to God's future rewards. Let's go on. Verse 28. By faith he kept Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. This is from the contest between Moses and Pharaoh. There were ten plagues, remember? And the last plague was the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. And God instructed Moses to institute the Passover by painting lamb's blood on the, the doorposts and the lintels of their houses. Remember, the power to save was not in the blood itself. The power to save was in the act of faith and obedience. The blood was symbolic of Christ's sacrifice by which he conquered death for all who believe in him. If you were a Hebrew family and you just said, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I don't want to paint my door posts with blood, and you didn't do that, your firstborn would die. It wasn't the blood, it was the faith and obedience. Moses accepted God's way of being saved from death. 
Faith always accepts God's ways, no matter how strange they may seem to human understanding. When a believer accepts Jesus Christ by faith, he accepts God's provision for salvation. To the world, a worldly mind, good works seem like a better way to please God than faith. And you see that in all of the other religions. It doesn't matter what the religion is. Islam, Hindu, it doesn't doesn't matter. They all go to the same place. Because it just seems better in our minds that if we do the right kind of work, God will be pleased. But that's not what God tells us. Remember? Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's by faith, not works. Let's go on. Verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. In this story, Moses has led the people out of Egypt. They're they're going towards the promised land, and they become trapped. The sea is in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is breathing down their necks from behind. Things look extremely desperate. Listen to the faith statement in this story. This is from Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. That is a lot of faith. The army's coming, the sea is here, and Moses say, says, Don't fear! And the people trusted God as they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing on dry ground. Wow! That's a lot of faith. They believed God would keep them safe and started walking across the seabed as soon as the waters were parted. This took considerable faith, seeing water piled up on either side. What are they thinking when they're going through there? Is it going to stay? Or are we going to be drowned? They believed God, and it was dry ground for them all the way across. Not so much for the Egyptians. This should take us to a place where we understand that faith takes God at His word. Faith trusts God when all we have is His promises, His word. When the waters are piled high all around us, and problems and dangers are about to overwhelm us, Our faith is tested, but the Lord takes special pleasure in showing us His faithfulness, His love, and His power. Every moment in our lives, we either fulfill the will of God, trusting His Word, or we fulfill our own will, presuming that we know better. Do we know better than God? Faith in God is victorious. Presumption drowns. The Egyptians presumed they'd be able to follow the the Hebrew people, and they drowned, all of them. If you're waiting for a boat to carry you through the sea of the Christian life, it'll never come. If you're waiting for calm water, 
Maybe you're a really good swimmer. It'll never come. To live by faith and please God, you will have to walk through life with the trials of life piled up on both God's provisions, God's promises. Faith rejects whatever the world has to offer. Father, thank you that you have given us examples of faith. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us, teach us, guide us, that we would be people of faith, willing to cross through the sea of troubles in our life. Father, find in us people who please you because we put our total faith in you. Thank you, Father God, that we can put faith in you and know that for all of eternity, we have good things with you. In Christ's name. Amen.